Welcome to Talking Not Ranting. My name is Alistair Field. And I'm Greg Smith. You've dropped in on our current topic series, The Struggle to Be a Good Manager. And today we're going to drop back into our interview series. And in a few minutes, we're going to introduce Mr. Tom Atkinson. I love this. This is my, this is one of my favorite. I love you and I just talking back and forth and, and sharing our ideas. We always have a great time doing that. But when we bring someone else, as we, as folks, uh, who've been listening to us for a while, this started in the, uh, uh, a table of a breakfast place. So we always say the best conversation is when you invite someone over to the table to have a chat. And our chat started a table. So we're, we're really looking forward to, uh, meeting Tom and talking to him a little bit about his experiences. And he's got a great background and he wrote a book. I can't wait to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, um, another author. Well, another author. Now he did it on his own, basically. This is so I'm impressive. I got to, I got to learn his technique for maybe book number two or something, but we'll have that conversation as well. So looking forward to it. And I think in, in this interview series, this will be uh, number 21. So we're going along quite well. And uh, I believe we have one scheduled for next week as well. So it's good to get back into kind of the interview uh, space. Yeah, I agree 100%. So let's set the stage here. Greg and I have been friends for a long time. And we've both been managers or leaders for big chunks of our career. We've both benefited from other people assisting us in our management development. We've been hosting this podcast series dealing with how we and others have missed the mark called The Struggle to Be a Good Manager. And as we work through that podcast series, we realize there might be others who have experiences that aren't ours. So let's invite them to have a seat at the table in the diner, as you mm -hmm. mentioned, Greg, and have a good discussion. And with everything else we do, we want to have a good, healthy conversation. And I don't think we've ever not had a good, healthy conversation. I don't think so. And, you know, we've brought such wonderful guests on. I love, again, to diff get those different perspectives. And, uh, you know, Tom, you've had some uh, global experiences as well. So uh, good to tap into because we do have lots of listeners from around the world and a number of them in uh, um, uh, parts of Asia as well. And uh, so uh, looking forward to getting some perspective there. And we're going to have some interesting shout outs again today. Oh, um, Nice. Uh, later on near the end, uh, there's, uh, as I said last week, there's a lot of very unique people listening to us across the world. So it's cool. And before we interview, um, introduce, uh, Tom, I just wanted to, uh, thank our listeners. Uh, obviously I was going through, uh, a personal issue a couple weeks ago and we did, uh, thankfulness, the episode called mm -hmm. thankfulness. And I just like to thank, uh, a number of people reached out to me and sent some really, really nice notes and uh, appreciated uh, the conversation you and I had on, on things going on because we've both experienced, uh, you know, some uh, interesting times over the last month or so regarding uh, relatives and their health mm. and things like that. So uh, for those folks that uh, sent in some notes and stuff like that and a couple of people had a quiet word with me. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. That's so nice. You know, one of the things that why we uh, we started this during COVID and it was a way for really Alistair and I to keep connected in our smaller community. And then as it's grown, we've we've created this global community from around the world that really uh, really just ha is having a conversation. We've heard stories of people taking the podcast and having other conversations and and uh, sharing their perspectives and it's such a great such a great opportunity and uh, you know it's really nice when that gratefulness but folks folks reaching out and just saying hey you know we're thinking about you when you go through trials because we all go through trials and it's nice to know that you're there's the broader community there. Yeah, so thank you very much. So again, uh, we're jumping back into that interview session, and it's been since April since we had anybody on. Wow. So uh, Tom Atkinson, welcome, Tom. How are you? 
I'm great and uh, pleased to be here. I'm interesting to see how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's such a truthful saying right there. Yeah, we say that every week. <laughs> uh, and Tom and I know each other. Uh, I used to work for Tom uh, for a number of years, and it's been great reconnecting with him. We had a good conversation on the weekend just to set this up and just kind of uh, uh, sort it all out. So, Tom, uh, just give me a moment here. I'm going to read over your bio, uh, and then uh, we're going to jump into uh, a good uh, discussion. So... Tom currently serves on the advisory council of Oasis Management Company Limited, which is based in Hong Kong. Uh, over the last year, we're going to talk about this later on, uh, Tom has written a fiction novel, Into the Kingdom, which was published in July of this year. And uh, Greg, you're an accomplished author as well, so this is going to be good. Um, Tom served as executive director enforcement for the Securities and Futures Commission in Hong Kong from May 2016 until May of 2022. As executive director, he was accountable for the management of the enforcement division. That division was responsible for the surveillance of the securities and futures markets to identify unacceptable conduct, as well as for investigating statutory offenses and breaches of the legislation enforced by the SFC and disciplining licensed persons and initiating prosecutions where appropriate. Prior to joining the SFC, Tom was director of enforcement at the Ontario Securities Commission, where we met. Before that, he was president and CEO of Market Regulation Services, Inc., previously a national regulator of equity trading in Canada, and from 1996 to 2001, he held progressively senior positions with the Toronto Stock Exchange, including vice president of regulation services. He began his career as an assistant crown attorney at the Ontario Court of Justice. Tom was a prosecutor. Welcome, Tom. I'm thinking next book is that, is the, you know, like Grissom's done a pretty good job. Uh, of of his career, so you know maybe that's that's where we can do there. But I, fraud sounds really interesting. I'm looking forward to reading the book. We'll get into that a little bit later. So so Tom, love having you here. And uh, as I know, Alistair's probably had a conversation with you. Is uh, par part of the opportunity of this podcast is really to just share experiences that we have uh, each of us have had in leadership, and and we often talk about the environment that we've each experienced, both good and bad, that have actually helped us grow as individuals in an organization or sometimes shrink back depending on how good or bad it is. So the first question I have is just if you could share some experiences that have positively helped you grow as a leader. You know, we always have those moments, those those people in our lives or maybe situations that just made a huge impact. And so I'm wondering if you any of those things are popping into your head as to uh, – uh, what were those moments for you that really helped you grow as a leader? I guess my my first thought when I when I looked at this question was was actually when I was a, a crown prosecutor, um, and actually um, my, I think my second jury trial I was on a team prosecuting Paul Bernardo. Oh, and uh, one thing that struck me, and I I see this I've seen this throughout my career is you meet people and you get a certain impression of people. And they seem to resurface in your career later, mm. and how you've, however you've managed that interaction, you know, uh, can be good or bad. Um, it, it really, you know, you keep, you know, people talk about, you know, treat people well on the way up, you know, um, and that's not all. You don't always do that. One of the first impressions I had was when I was when I was on that uh, team, prosecuting Paul Bernardo, was the judge was Justice Lesage. Um, and I remember, you know, it was a very, you know, obviously the facts are horrible in that case. 
Um, and I remember, you know, everybody's, you know, Paul Bernard is led into the courtroom and everybody's looking at him in a disgusted way, you know, and he is, you know, a terrible human being, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, and, but I noticed how Justice Lasage treated him with the utmost respect from day one. Mm. Um, and at first it kind of took me back. I mean, this, this, this person, you know, he's a terrible person. Um, but he sort of, and when he did that, it sort of got everybody else throughout that process to treat him well. And it, it really added some, some, gravitas to the proceedings mm. and it also um you know it 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 just made it look like it was a, a very fair trial he was you know whenever you know um Paul Bernard's lawyer would object he would get all the time in the world to make his objections he was you know he constantly he called him Mr. Bernardo all the time you know he was never just the accused or um you know and and I, he really set the tone and that and that really impressed me and I and I I remember during the trial, um, Justice Lesage actually getting angry at me a number of times because <laughs> of the evidence I was trying to introduce. Um, uh, and, and uh, you know, I wasn't sure really at the end of the trial how that interaction actually went. <laughs> right. Um, but later, funny enough, um, I had, uh, I was out of work and I was applying for the job at the OSC as director of enforcement and he was happened to be on the board of the OSC at the time. And I called him up and he quite willingly gave me a reference, um, you know, and uh, you know, in, interesting enough, I, it, I, I ran it, I ran into him uh, uh, about three weeks ago at a function I was at um, and, and we talked and, you know, he's, he's just, you know, he's just so respectful of everybody and so interested in what you're doing. And mm. uh, you know, to me that, it, you know, it, it just very much impressed me that, you know, whatever situation you're in, you know, you need to treat people appropriately, mm-hmm. no matter who they are. Um, and that's, I mean, that's the most extreme example you can think of. Uh, so, so that's, that's one of the things I, I, I think I really learned from him was, was, uh, that, you know, and, 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 you know, I, and I'll be honest, I don't think I've always followed that. You know, and I know I haven't. I know I haven't. And I, and, uh, you know, I think back in my career, you know, especially around the time when I was at the Toronto Stock Exchange, um, you know, the, the management atmosphere was very aggressive. And, you know, you're expected to produce results and you're expected to produce them very quickly. And, you know, there's no, you don't really have any friends on the management team. I mean, everyone's trying to sort of, you know, crawl over each other. And, you know, it really teaches you to be very aggressive Mm -hmm. and, you know, um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, I probably made a lot of mistakes back then. Um, the way I treated people, the way I interacted with people. Um, and, uh, it's interesting because I I was listening to your podcast with Maureen Jensen and she said, um, when, after she had children, it certainly changed the way she managed people. Right. Yeah. And I was thinking the same thing and I was thinking, you know, I've got, you know, children that, you know, have had, you know, their issues. And, you know, I always hope that who's ever dealing with them in the workplace is going to treat them with respect and dignity. And, you know, I'm always worried about that. And, uh, you know, I wish I had learned that a lot earlier. Um, so, you know, but there's, but I, but I think I, you know, we all, I think we all get better with age. 
Yeah. I, I love and that. Then, and then once we get to a certain point, we get worse. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It's like it goes up and then down. One of the things I, I loved about that is that, um, you know, thinking about that judge and often on the, on the show, we'll talk about the impact, the ripple effect that a leader can have on a situation. And also we've had conversation about biases yeah, and how biases influence us, right? Our experiences or the environments that we're in. And oh my goodness, like that trial, I mean, you could not have biases, but being able to say, listen, here's what I've heard, but I need to create a space for the fairest situation of all. Um, so that we, cause that's going to be the best trial is to have a fair, a fair trial to get the, the facts out and that type of thing. But even in our, in our, in our work environments, you know, it's really hard not to, uh, as a leader, you have so much power. And as a judge, you're the most powerful person probably in that room, uh, or, or, uh, definitely the most, one of the top powerful people in the room. But as a leader, we hold a lot of power. And so how we show up, the space that we choose, um, is, is, um, is pretty key. I, I love that. It's, and, and, you know, it doesn't matter what your role is. Anyone can create that. It's about that respect that, that, uh, that, um, uh, giving people the space. Yeah. That's, that's uh, powerful. It's interesting. Uh, I've been in front of Justice Lesage at the commission on numerous occasions. I had uh, matters and you know, earlier on when I was actually an investigator, uh, before I went into management, uh, I remember him, him, and there was another one there as well. I, I won't mention his name at this point. But uh, what I like about what you said there, Tom, is, and and Greg and I have been talking about this a lot, is uh, uh, reflection in, in looking back at certain situations that we dealt with as, uh, in my case, as a supervisor in the police or later on as a management in a couple different organizations, how important it is to take stock every once in a while, look back and just think about, uh, you know, uh, how did that work out? And, and one of the things that we say quite often is, uh, you know, ask yourself the question, who do you want to be? Mm-hmm. You know, who, how are you going to show up? Uh, and, and there's nothing better than looking back going, you know, that was a good time because, but then there's a couple other times where it really wasn't that great. And, and these were the pressers, these were the things that were going on that, that really now, I now recognize that, uh, probably I didn't show up. I could have shown up better. And it's that, you know, anytime you make a mistake or maybe things just didn't roll out the way that you wanted, there's nothing better than to take stock of that. Because if you don't take stock of it, then it's just a wasted time. Mm-hmm. But I really like that, that, you know, and it's something that you and I have, you know, that's half of what this podcast is, mm-hmm. us going back going, you know, I really didn't do, you know, I could have shown up a little bit better or I could have been a little bit more patient or I could have, uh, you know, reached out more and stuff like that. So that was really cool. Um, yeah, and I think I think a lot of it too is is you've got to be honest with yourself in terms of your own limitations, mm-hmm. and and I really do think that we're not robots. And some days you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, and some days, you know, <laughs> you act inappropriately with your wife, your kids, you know, um, and that's just that's just being human. But you know, I think over the over the years, I've learned to try to sort of settle myself down, apologize if I feel I've been in the wrong, um, or at least in, even if I haven't been a wrong, if I've, if I've spoken inappropriately, that's worth an apology. Um, and it doesn't, doesn't solve the problem and it shouldn't have probably happened in the, in the first place, but we're, we're not robots. We're all human beings. And, uh, you know, we're, we're all trying to do our best and, uh, you know, these are difficult jobs we do. Yeah. And the, the one thing that I've, I've, 
tried to do. And I think more and more you, you touched on a little bit, this whole idea of being vulnerable, the idea that we're, we are human. And, uh, a number of the folks we've talked to have said, you know what, if you're feeling really crappy or if you rolled on the wrong side of the bed, let people know that, you know, Hey, Hey guys, you know, like, uh, you know, we have to show up, we have to hold space. But the reality is if we're, if we're on the bad start to the day, um, we can never hide it. It always drips out. People feel it. So there's so much power in saying, you know what, man, I just, I'm crunchy today. And, and so, you know, I'm, 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 I know it, I'm feeling it, I'm working on it, but you know what? Uh, I just might, uh, I'm, 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 you need to help me. Yeah. You know, uh, my kind of attitude towards that is apologize first. Explain why you're apologizing, and then everybody's on on board. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it doesn't mean you still won't make mistakes, and yeah. you, you know we we yeah. have that happen. But I don't know. There's there's it's actually a freedom because I think what the other scenario that you talked about, um, where it was not a great culture and it was a dog eat dog world kind of thing, you can get swept up in that, and you don't even yeah. see it. It's like the frog in the water, right? It's just it's all of a sudden it's boiling. And you don't, you've kind of crossed the line or you've lost sight of things. I've had that in organizations where I've just lost myself and I went in there with good intentions, but then it's, it becomes a survival thing and you miss it. And then all of a sudden you kind of catch yourself and say, well, what am I doing? This isn't me. Uh, but, but, yeah, but, and sometimes I, you know, it's not even survival, it's ego, right? Because yes. in those, in those type of organizations where, where everybody's, sort of trying to claw their way to the top you know if if you do it right you get promoted very quickly and i did mm. right when i was there right you know um and you know you get moved up and and so you're rewarded for almost you know bad behavior mm. you know um and you know I, you know I, you know hopefully i wasn't a monster or anything but 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 i certainly you know was was you know very demanding um you know, and overly so, not not listening a lot uh, to what other people said. So, and I and I got rewarded and quite well for that. Mm. <laughs> um, so, so it's it's you know you're kind of and you're you know you're so you're kind of like well I am doing the right thing here. Um, so that's I think a good lesson for leaders in terms of you know those people under you. What are you showing them? What what are you rewarding them for? Mm. Um, because we we've all had people that can get that project done get it over the goal post but they but afterwards there's just debris line over all over the yeah. field right uh and that's not good for an organization so that that's um that's 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 one one learning i had i, I, I think a another really good learning i had was was very early at the toronto stock exchange and and, and that really has to do with sort of honesty and accountability um, because I've been there, I, I think I've been there a year and I got promoted from enforcement council to senior enforcement council. And one of my jobs was to, um, issue the press release after we did an enforcement action. And so I, I had actually done the prosecution. We prosecuted two gentlemen. One of the respondents was acquitted and one wasn't. And when I issued the press release, I don't know how I did this, but I put out and it went in the Globe and Mail. That both of them were convicted, Ooh. and you know, right away, I just w once someone pointed this out to me. You know, first thing I did is I went to the general counsel's office, and they're like, "We're going to be sued." You know, um, don't have any contact with them. Blah blah blah. Um, 
And but I, I really thought to myself, that's not me. Like I've screwed up here. You know, I need to be accountable for this. And so against the general counsel not knowing what I was doing, I called this gentleman up and I said, listen, I just I don't know how I did this. I made a mistake. I've got from now on five people will read those press releases before they go out. But I screwed up and I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And he, he ranted on me. He must have laid into me for about half an hour. Um, and I just took it and just was quiet. And at the end, I said, look, and he was still not like happy. He was not, he was not like, okay, that's fine. Right. Um, he was just, you know, I've just tarnished his reputation. Um, and in the, uh, you know, in the end, he, you know, I basically said, look, we're, we're not being productive now. I, I tried to, you know, sort of apologize for what I've done. I hope that I got you that message and I'll, I'll talk to you another time. And then his, his lawyer called me up and he said, he's, he's really upset still, but I think he, that's the end of it. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and I asked him, did you want me to print a retraction? He's like, no, no, he doesn't want his name in the newspaper again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> deal with this matter. But I, but I, but I realized then that, um, you know, just, being yourself and being honest and being accountable goes a long way. Mm. That's good. Uh, Tom, is there, you know, we've talked about a bunch of things. And I think you're, you're pulling together kind of a, a bunch of examples of, of what um, uh, positively helped the environment. Is there anything else that any leaders did that you observed or in their dealings with you that helped contribute to like a really good positive environment? We've talked about accountability and you've talked about being more mindful of other people around you, which I think, Greg and I share 100%. Is there anything else that kind of jumps out in your experience that that leaders did to bring out a, a more positive uh, environment in the workplace? I think, um, well, I was at uh, Market Regulation Services, my chair at the time. Um, he, when, Whenever he reviewed my performance, he was totally honest with me. So mm. didn't sugarcoat anything. And I, and I, I really thought he thought, Look, I'm not this this is not a dumb person. I don't have to sugarcoat it with him. And he was totally honest about what he thought my weaknesses are and what I what he thought my strengths were. That to me, that just that again, that honesty really changed my performance, I think. Mm. And you know, made me want to do better. You know, I've had other managers that have just, you know, insulted me or you know, um, you know, you know, we've all had those those type of managers and it's you can really excuse your own behavior because of the way they act. Right. So so although you drop the ball, you're kind of like, well, maybe I did. Maybe he's probably just overreacting as he overreacts to everything. Mm. Right. But when someone's totally honest like that and you know, they're being sincere, very difficult for you to excuse your own behavior. And, and, you know, he, he, you know, that, that, that's coming from a good place and he wants you to improve. He wants you to succeed. Yeah. You I know? love, I love that because it's also, I heard, and it sounds like he was specific, you know, like, it, you know, it almost by him doing that, it, it tells me he cared enough to tell you the truth. He cared enough to give you really specifics of both the things that are good and the things that aren't, aren't. So it's like he was investing in you. And yeah. to your point, that makes you want to do more if you're, if someone's investing time, because we've always had those leaders that said, yeah, it's good. Everything's good. Well, what does that do? It doesn't do anything for me. I'm trying to improve and grow and learn and all's good is not good. So, uh, I much prefer that, that specific, honest, direct, 
not sugarcoating, but you know, respectfully direct kind of thing. I think it, I think Tom, I think that's fantastic because uh, as a leader and as a supervisor giving evaluations and as an employee getting them, there's nothing worse than what Greg said where, oh, things are going, you're doing a good job. And, and to me, I walk away from that going, cause I'd rather have the, listen, these are th- some things that you're, you're falling down on. And, and then these are the things that seem to be working out well. You know, if you walk away and nobody's taken that time to invest in you to be specific and give you specific examples, how are you supposed to get better? And, and what exactly am I doing right? And it, it makes for a very murky relationship. And then you're sitting there, you know, two weeks later and going like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing here. Am I, what do I need to improve on? Like, what do I need to put all my chips in? Because it's just really, really working. I really like that. And I think we probably all have experienced both, you know, the kind of outrage thrown at you, but also just the, you know, nothing like, oh, okay. Um, you know, here, here's your evaluation, read it and sign it. I'm, I just got to go to another meeting. Like there's no conversation there. Right. And it really isn't a good interaction. How's that supposed to build um uh, relationship and, and trust and all the, it sounds like Tom, you've listened to all 146 episodes that we've been talking. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, you know, I also though find just on the other hand, as, as you move up in organizations, when you're at those senior levels, um, I have had managers who, you know, have taken my performance plan and sort of gone through them piece by piece, very specifically, you know, I like this, I didn't like that. And I think at those senior levels, um, there's a lot of subjectivity that you've got to apply. I think, you know, you, you also got to worry about, you can't hide sort of behind those because, because people can get stuff done and check tech boxes. But as I said, they can leave, you know, mm. t- you know terrible outcomes behind. And I, and, and I really think you've got to, I really like the people that sort of went, okay, here's five minutes on all the boxes. I want you to check this, you know, this term. Um, but really, let's sit down and talk about how you're interacting with the team, you know, how you're interacting with our stakeholders um, and and really get into a much more subjective conversation. So I, th- I think as my feeling was, as you go up in an organization, that that subjectivity should increase. And it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. And it can be pretty specific, too. I mean, often it's things that you see. Uh, here's what I'm looking for. So those, the, those how behaviors are, can be very specific, uh, subjective and specific in the situations if you're helping someone kind of move to a whole new level. Cause let's face it, really, it's less about checking the box and getting stuff done. That's important. But the, to your point, Tom, at the more senior level, it's about creating the space where people will create the environments for people to get stuff done. Uh, and, and often we miss out on that. Yeah, and some people are excellent at documenting things. Um, and, and, you know, I've always had managers come to me saying, well, I gave this person this rating. And I would say, but he's a horrible employee or she's a horrible employee. We <laughs> both know that. And he's like, you know, he's got it documented that she did this, 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 and this. And, um, you know, I, again, you know, I think it's important to, to stand back and, and probably, Greg, what you're saying is be more specific about, how you achieve the outcomes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Well, I think the next question is kind of going to, we're kind of uh, uh, moving to that area because we, we talked about what are the things that we've learned from great examples, uh, but sometimes we also learn from those people who were horrible leaders and we learn what not to do. 
and we don't in this part we don't name names uh but but uh one that we can go with one leader that i used to work for did this and this really taught me what not to do but were there any things that uh experiences that weren't as enabling that you know you thought later on as you as you grew in your leadership as you moved up in an organization you said you know what i'm never going to do that i'm going to do it differently oh yeah like i, I had I've, I've had many many managers um, who've been extremely extremely aggressive towards me, um, and and, I, and you know I, I think in the finance business it's it's kind of you know a lot of these, you know like if you if you deal with the guys from corporate finance for example they're very aggressive you know just the the whole structure is very a lot of testosterone in the room um, and you know it's the old, kind of what they're used to responding to and you know and and you know I've definitely you know, had people, you know, just, I think, act outrageously. Um, and, but they, but they really never, I almost tried to, in my own mind, sort of, you know, and, and, you know, I have been afraid many times of losing my job when I'm supporting my family. Uh, but, but I've always, I've always just saw them as an obstacle that I need to go around or, or go through or go above. Um, and those people, they, you know, they can rise fairly high in organizations, but I think at a certain point, things become visible to other members. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd, I'd also, I've seen the worst behavior I've seen is people at my own level, um, people, members of a management team sort of undermining you to impress the boss. Mm. Uh, and that can be very, very toxic, you mm -hmm. know, because these people are smart, they're articulate. Um, and, I really think, you know, I remember seeing one manager um, say to a colleague of mine who was complaining about another colleague of mine saying, so what are you trying to do to, to help him get over, get through this problem? Like, you're, you know, all you're doing is criticizing him here and it's not helping our team accomplish anything. Mm -hmm. And so I think as a leader, you know, you should, you really have to watch out for that behaviors because one person, one toxic person can be very difficult to deal with. So yeah, I've 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 seen that. I've seen I've seen people, I would say, get fired for trivial reasons, um, or just personality clashes, or not agreeing um, with with what the senior person is saying. So so I you know, and I I, I think probably everyone's faced those situations. I don't think I'm unique in that mm. in any way. Yeah, you can uh, actually. Are Greg and I talked about conflict uh, a couple weeks ago, mm -hmm. two or three weeks ago, and we 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 spent a lot of time just on this point, Tom. It's really relevant to what we were talking about. I really appreciate that. Is there? Um, thank you for you know. I, I really liked how candid you were there. Now, how has your personal journey influenced your leadership journey and, and your thoughts about leadership? We we've talked about a lot of things. I know it's kind of a an open ended question. I just like throwing them out because uh, it allows our guests to go wherever you want to go, but what's gone on in your leadership journey and what's influenced you number one, to want to be a, uh, a leader, but uh, to be the type of leader that you want to be. Well, I think I've, I've, uh, I've done, I've done a lot of different jobs. Um, and I've, you know, I, I always say you shouldn't stay in a job longer than five years. And I've, I've broke that so many numerous times, <laughs> uh, but, but uh, you know, to me, ultimately, you wouldn't stay in a job longer than five years, um, you know, unless you're, you know, a specialist of, of some kind. Um, 
but I, I think it's, you know, I've continued to try to challenge myself. Um, and I, I like being in situations like I think my my happiest time is when I'm just starting a new job. It's sort of overwhelming. I'm not sure if I know what I'm doing. You know, you've got imposter syndrome, uh, you know, and, and you're you're working your way through this problem. That's that's what I, I feel I'm I'm the most productive and most happy after I've done the job for a while. You know, I, 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 you know, I, I tend to lose interest once I've made the changes I want to make. Um, so, so for me, it's, I think it's finding that point in time when, when it's appropriate time to move on and letting some new ideas come through. Mm. Um, so, um, you know, that's influenced me just this, um, you know, this international, um, travel that I've, I've done the last six years has, has totally changed everything for me about how leadership uh you know what what makes what's good leadership and what are opportunities for for young people and if i was to do it over again what would i have done uh differently and you know for example if i had known the opportunities that are out there worldwide i would have i would have tried a foreign assignment in my 30s because you just get exposed to so many different cultures, so many different ways of doing things. Um, you know, the world just becomes so much smaller. Um, and it just opens your eyes to all kinds of possibilities. Um, you know, and I didn't do that till I was in my fifties. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I, I really wish I had, I had tried that when I was, when I was a lot younger, because I was always into, I was always interested in travel. I did a lot of travel with IOSCO. Mm. Uh, uh, and, you know, and, and with the Toronto Stock Exchange, um, and, uh, you know, I, I always like travel, um, but just the learnings you get from the different cultures and how everybody interacts, um, you know, I, I think it's a pretty special thing to do. Well, Tom, Tom, you know, you landing in Hong Kong did not surprise me as somebody that's worked with you and has seen, uh, I think we probably worked together for five years. I think I got to the OSC just before you did. But, you know, seeing your work, not just with IOSCO, which is the International Association of Securities Regulators, but also with the CSA, which is the Canadian uh, um, Association of Securities Regulators. Uh, you know, you've spent a lot of time on international issues and stuff like that. It didn't surprise me when I heard you were going to Hong Kong. I went like, you know, this is a thing that you seem to enjoy that, you know, you put a lot of effort into. And it was important for for the commission that we work for to be part of that, those types of things. And, you know, a lot of OSC people held senior positions, especially with IOSCO. And it, it was really impactful to what was going on. So it didn't surprise me at all that you ended up in Hong Kong. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, it, <laughs> and it just sort of just off off the international thing for, for a second. Um, I, I also think that the one, th- I mean, management is all about relationships. And, you know, the one thing I, I remember, Alistair, you were at the OSC when we were creating JSOT. Yes. And it was really important for me to have a good relationship with the police uh, because it was a new thing we were doing. And, you know, because I'd been a crown, I've kind of worked with the police before. Um, and, you know, it's also the police have a have a, have a specialty that no one else has. They have a way of dealing with people that no one else does. And I think it's and, and sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but it it's different. And I think you've really got to respect that. And, and so, you know, I, I made some major efforts to, to, to 
let the police do what they do best um, and let them have the reins and take that. And when it, the first thing I did when I got to Hong Kong was went over to their police um, and started up a relationship with them. And they were they were fantastic with me. Hmm. Um, and same as in China, you know, I I reached out to, you know, not only the securities regulator, because it, you, as you probably know, there's a there's a there's a stock connect between Hong Kong and China. Right. So, so you can, you can buy stocks both ways through this mechanism. But the, um, you know, your relationships with the police on their side, and it's, you know, it's a whole different culture. They have a whole different way of doing things. It's a communist country. Um, you know, different rules, different rules of law. Um, uh, but to me, that was important to really cement that th- mm-hmm. those relationships. And I did it the same way. I think I did it in Ontario is by, you know, respecting what they do and, and not coming in there. We should do this, this, this asking them questions, trying to figure out, um, how to move forward the best way using their expertise. Mm, I love that. Seek first to understand before being understood and building those relationships along the way, uh, helps things go faster in the end because then you've got that trust level that's built. Yeah. Uh, I was wondering just in that Hong Kong experience, what were the other, what were the different things? So I love the fact that, you know what, whether it's Ontario or whether it's Hong Kong, it's all about relationship and it's all about seeking first to understand and really how do you work? What works for you? Why do you do it that way? And really not coming in with, I know everything uh, versus how does it work? Here's what I've learned, that kind of thing. Were there any new things um, that you learned? And you you did say a little bit, it was a whole different world, working in a different culture in that area. But were there other things that you, uh, that probably that you learned that if you were 30 years old and coming back into Canada, you would say, oh man, this is a rich experience, a rich insight that I want to take back to my leadership as I continue to grow. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting because you know, as managers in Ontario, we're really taught to, you know, let your people fly, let them get out there, let them make mistakes, you know, let them learn from those mistakes. But in in Hong Kong, I found it was still more command and control management, mm. um, where, the, where, the, where the more senior people, um, you know, uh, really have a lot of the knowledge and um, maintain that knowledge. Um, and you know, they're, they're into a level of detail that you would never be in Ontario as a senior manager. Mm. Um, and to me, I thought I, when I first got there, I thought it was kind of overkill the information my boss wanted, for example, on, on, you know, I had a, you know, I went from Ontario, which had, I think at the time, 60 open cases to a thousand open cases, um, and huge cases like, you know, multiple size cases, right? Um, but but the detail that 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 my my seniors wanted from me was incredible, and and but so I didn't. What I took away from that was not that that was a bad way to operate. And I think what I learned my my to me, my sweet spot was about halfway between the way we did things and the way they, they did things. And that's sort of, I think, where I where I left off there. Mm. Um, so um, because when I did, when I first got there and I did, you know, the I did a strategy, my first strategy, you know, I, I found people were really didn't want to speak up. And I was like, I'm the new guy here. 
I, I really don't know how this place works yet, and I'm suggesting how to change it, right, and make it more efficient. Um, you know, and I really need your input. But as time went on, and I think as trust built, um, you know, um, they they gave me more and more input as time went on. Um, and they're, you know, the one thing about, I would say, as a Chinese as a whole, is I cannot believe how industrious they are. Um, and it's incredible, you know, how, how hard they work at things and they're very smart. Um, and you know, most of the, like, for example, most of the lawyers that worked for me there were trained at Oxford and Cambridge, Harvard. Um, uh, you know, they're very, they, they, they prize education and they, they do a very good job. And, and, and I mean, it, that whole society is such an amazing society. Um, you know, and, and it goes right, like their police were like top notch, hugely pro professional. When I went to the, when I went to the CSRC, just because of my own biases, I thought they would sort of be back, backwards and slow and, and bureaucratic. And they were, you know, their IT was way better than anything we have, right? They're, and, and they were, what they, what they do is they're very, they're very clear on, where their red lines are right um and and so like we've got a relationship and enforcement relationship between hong kong and china and there's a huge written opera what's the rules on how we how we do our job but they're very very clear and they won't do anything till you clarify those rules mm. but once they're clarified they can move extremely fast mm. so while some people might see a bureaucratic i thought it was quite brilliant the way they've done it there's no ambiguity and if someone, you know, if, if I drop the ball, it's clear that I dropped the ball because I've breached one of these rules. And so I can, you know, change my performance to get me back on track. And, you know, there's built in accountability and, and, you know, they've been able to accomplish that's, you know, I mean, Hong Kong, I mean, it's got every major bank in the world there. Like, and, you know, they've been so successful. And I, and I think that's why is just their, they're clear on what they want to achieve. And it's just, just a highly sophisticated society. I think that's really interesting. You know, we've had a couple podcasts where we talked about the, the power and importance of clarity. And I have a phrase that I don't know if I created it, but it was called plantfully quick. And what it means is that spend the time up front, get the right people around the table, talk about what we're going to do, be clear on the roles and what the expectations are and that type of thing up front. And things will move so much faster later on versus kind of being willy nilly and kind of open and, and not being crisp and clear. Things get crunchy and complicated and complex. And, and to your point, the accountability is not clear. You don't know who's owning what you cross over lines that you didn't know existed. So there is something to say about being crisp up front and being clear on those processes and ownership and um and uh so that is a that's a really good insight yeah and and i and i know especially when i was dealing with the head of the csrc who didn't speak english and i, I don't speak chinese or mandarin and um you know it, so we had to always talk through interpreters um and you know he, you know he would you know if we had frustrations with each other um, he would, he would be, be able to point specifically and I could point specifically to where he went off the rails and where I went off the rails. And it was so, you know, and, and so when you're speaking through an interpreter, you think that's going to be very awkward, but, it, but it was actually quite smooth and you kind of get to the point quicker. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, 
so I was just amazed at at how uh, how professional he was, and uh, how much we were able to get done. Wow, that's interesting. With all those ops, with all those cultural, political, legal obstacles that we've had. That's so cool. That's so cool. Listen, I think we have taken in so much information. Uh, this is part, uh, Tom, where we just kind of do a, a final thoughts and, uh, we can start with you or if you want one of us to go first, whatever, you know, as you gather your thoughts, I'm not sure how you want to do it, but this is the point where we try to summarize everything and, and talk about some of the things that have kind of, uh, been aha moments for us and stuff like that. So, uh, I'll open the floor to you, but we're more than willing for one of us to go first, depending on how you're situated at the moment. Well, I, I've enjoyed this conversation, and, and I think it's, to me, it's, uh, you know, I, uh, again, I, I think as, uh, personally, as I've aged, I think I've gotten better. Um, and, uh, you know, I've made a ton of mistakes in the past, uh, but I, but I've hopefully I've tried to learn from them. And, and really what comes through to me in terms of leadership is, is as we were just talking about, is clarity, but mostly sort of honesty and mm-hmm. honesty about yourself and your own limitations. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, I hope, I hope our, our future leaders, you know, act with kindness and, um, listen to other, to listen to other points of view as much as possible. I know that sounds kind of cliche ish, but, um, you know, it's, it's very, very important. And you can really get caught up in your own press, your own, your own power, your own promotions. Um, and it's easy to go sort of down that rabbit hole. And, and, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, so I, so I think I've, I've, I've learned a lot about that. And, um, there's some really, you know, Canada has some amazing people uh in in the leadership area and i you know i think shows like this are very useful to sort of pull some of those ideas forward yeah no i loved it i thought uh, uh some of your points are really uh powerful i th- i was going to say the same thing the idea of constantly learning and being honest with yourself in our podcast we talk a lot about it starts with knowing and knowing yourself what you what you bring and what you don't bring and surround yourself with those people who have stuff you don't have and uh the best leaders are are more vulnerable they're more open they they're not afraid to be courageous and step in there and say what needs to be done be clear of what's expected but they also hold space for people to learn and grow um so i i really just appreciate the conversation your honesty and uh and your insights uh, especially the hong kong insights that in particular was pretty interesting for me of how how you show up uh, and you know, there's lots of history <laughs> of, uh, us North Americans heading to different countries, uh, saying we got, we got all the answers <laughs> and your approach saying, you know, I got some experience and I do have some knowledge that I'm going to help be able to help, but it starts with me understanding what's exactly working here and what do you do? And then how can I add into that? So I particularly love that. And I think that's a good lesson for anybody going to a new organization as well. Sometimes we think to your point, the ego gets a hold of us and we think we're God's gift to uh, whatever industry or role that we are. And we got some smarts. We've obviously learned some things, but uh, enter in with humility and kindness uh, and also your bring your full self there. So I think that's good. I just want to make one comment um, and because I think this is a great illustration is when I was flying over to Hong Kong to start my job, I'm watching, you know, the business news, whatever it was on, on, you know, in, you know, in my seat. And we, we've got, I mean, all the heads of the, the big banks, um, talking about how China is mismanaging its growth. 
and you know how they're doing this wrong and this wrong and i was flying over there i was trying to tell myself don't have preconceptions and i thought didn't these guys that are talking on tv almost blow up the whole world a few years ago? <laughs> right? 2008 2008 was the date <laughs> that's right and it's like and now they're now they're pontificating on how china's dropping the ball right so, you know um you know it's 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 that was an interesting just a perspective anyway but even having that insight of reflecting of, cause you know, you're going down the path and we say, well, wait a second. Do we have a, have a bit of that questioning mindset? Well, what's really true here? I don't know until I ask. Uh, I don't yeah. know until I discover. Uh, but we, it's so easy for us to get caught up into, I know best. So Tom, uh, one of the benefits of me talking to somebody I used to work with is just to uh, point out something that I, I was actually very thankful for. So the term is voluntold and Greg, it's going to be one of our episodes coming up. It's in my head right now. It's just a matter of me putting it on paper. But Tom, there's two things that you volunteered me to do, voluntold. Uh, one of them was the United Way uh, at, at the OSC. And uh, I don't know if I was happy at you when I left your office the day that you told me that I was being involved in that. But it turned out to be <laughs> a six-year journey. And I got to tell you, Tom, I had the best time. I got to meet so many people. Um, I worked with a really good group of people, a bunch of, uh, got to work with this, all the senior management. And, uh, I think that's where I started becoming a game show host as well. So, uh, but, uh, it was a really, really good experience. And the other thing that, uh, you volunteered me that I was going to get involved in was the OSC and the community program. And so that started, uh, it's got to be 10 years ago. I think I was an assistant manager in enforcement at that time. And so you know what, that relationship continues to this day. And I have met so many good people within the program, but also I've probably, I probably talked to, I don't know how many thousands of people and, and all these things. And it turned out to be one of those things that, uh, uh, it really stretched me and uh, forced me to, you know, grapple some things in my own life and my own approach to certain things. So uh, I'm going to thank you. I, I wasn't thanking you at the time that you volunteered me for these things. Certainly when I left the <laughs> office, it, you know, I, I was going like, oh, my goodness, I got a zillion things to do. And now I'm going to travel all over. I'm sure I cut back on the rest of your work. Yeah, right? I'm sure you did, too. Yeah, 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 right. No, I think I got promoted and it increased. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, those two things uh, I found uh, within the organization and within my own experience and and I'll, I'll be quite frank with you this podcast wouldn't have happened if I hadn't been uh, out there doing a bunch of these outreach things and, and you know doing things like that so I'm very appreciative of it and uh, I think uh, it's 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 a thought as leaders or supervisors or whatever we are or even as an employee that might be listening to this how important it is to stretch yourself and then when somebody asks you to do something that seems to be totally irrelevant to what you're doing uh, that you know doing things on a lateral basis is actually a good thing so yeah. Greg uh, voluntold is going to be an episode maybe not not it can't be next week i think we have another guest next week but in a couple of weeks we're yeah, going to do one called voluntold and, and tom uh you are, are the inspiration to that uh episode so thank you very much well you know i think that is one of the the final leadership things great leaders see beyond what you can see right they see the potential that you have i mean you also have a need to fill you got to get somebody to put it in but often the best leaders say uh, even the, even if you don't see it yet, they see, yeah, Alistair, I think you'd be good at this. Uh, and I'd, I'd like you to do this, uh, and stretches you a little bit beyond and then supports you in, in whatever way you can. But I, I do think that's really a, a good one as well. That uh, is a living example here of with a, a great leader, just seeing the potential. And, and now to your point, where is that the ripple effects of you being voluntold 
on other things in your life that you've been able to impact both at work and outside of work. So pretty cool. And now we have 150 hours of content on, uh, on, uh, SoundCloud. That's right. So, <laughs> so Tom, this is the part in the, in the, uh, episode where you can let us know what you're doing. And, uh, I think we foreshadowed, uh, the point that you've uh, written a book. So tell us about the book. And, uh, you know, I've already, agree- you know, we've already said that we'll put uh, a link to the book in our, um, in our show notes to uh, increase sales and awareness. So Tom, talk to us about what's going on. I actually thought you said you'd buy a copy, Alistair. Maybe I heard you wrong. No, I think you heard me wrong, Tom, but uh, (laughs) I'm waiting for my free autograph copy. So let me, let me, let me set the stage for my, my book. Okay. That I've, that I've written. So two things. Um, So the first one is true, which I, which I, I found out about this legend when I was nine years old. It's a legend of a guy called Prester John. So in 1200 AD, Europe's under attack uh, by Muslims. They've, I, th- I think they've almost taken Jerusalem, which was a huge emotional point for them. And all of a sudden, this letter comes in the kingdom. This is all true. This letter comes in to, to the European leaders and religious leaders saying, look, I'm, I'm this Christ- Christian king called Prester John. I've got a massive uh, military. I want to join forces and drive the infidels into the sea once and for all. So this is the time of the Crusades when uh, they were sending, if, if you remember, they were sending out and losing all kinds of battles against the Muslims. Um, so they, the Portuguese actually sent an emissary to Ethiopia where they thought this Christian king was. And from that, I sort of fictionalized that when they sent this, Christ, this emissary, they sent uh, an offering to this king, which was a treasure, basically. Okay, so... so that's sort of the the the, the myth behind that. And it's, it's an amazing myth because it was the biggest fraud of the Middle Ages. Now we know that that letter was a fraud, but oh. it went on for 600 years. And if you look at old maps where lands were undiscovered, they'll say like the lands of Prester John. Um, so so that's the one thing. The other the other theme I had in my head was um, our our wounded warriors, our veteran soldiers, and it's always bothered me that these these wounded veterans seem to get no help from the government you know the government gives out a ton of money i don't begrudge them for doing any of that but i i think we need to treat our veterans better so i wanted to create a story where these where i had these wounded warriors on this on this quest and 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 i, and I want to sort of I really was because i was talking to my son and all his heroes have like you know great abs <laughs> uh, great, good taglines. And I wanted to just show him that sort of heroism is really about, sometimes it's just about accepting your limitations. Um, and so, I, so it's, it's, the book's got a lot of humanity on it. So it's these soldiers on a quest to solve this problem from the middle, from the middle ages. And that's really my book. And so it's a sort of an Indiana Jones, um, true history sort of thing. That's my pitch. You know what, Tom? You sold me. I think I'm going to order a book. I'm not. I'm not going to wait for my autograph copy. So I think I will give it a good read. You, Greg? Yeah, I will too. It sounds like a. It sounds like a good book. I will definitely, uh, definitely add to my list. So, so Tom, before we do kind of an administrative close here, I just want to thank you so much for coming on and just sharing uh, 
so much about your experiences. I've, I've learned a lot mm-hmm. and I, a lot of it just rings with kind of the themes that we've been talking uh, about between ourselves, but with other guests as well. So I don't know, Greg, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I appreciate it. I, I again, I, I love your honesty, you know, man, this period of time, I wasn't a great leader, you know, but I learned a lot and this time I learned some things. And then the, the common theme when we had kids, I, I learned some other things. So, uh, cool. so I just appreciate it too. Your honesty, your, your insights. Uh, and, uh, I'm sure our listeners are going to love this one. I think well, so. that was a lot of fun. I think what you're doing is quite important. So keep it up. Thank Thanks. you very much. So folks, uh, listen, we hope that some of what we've spoken about, you find helpful. We hope we didn't say anything that you found offensive or made you angry. Uh, but Greg, uh, your closing philosophy again, I think is, is, is warranted here is, is yeah. welcome here as we kind of exit, uh, the podcast. Yeah. We end each of our podcasts with a great insight I got from my first coach. And she said, you know, when we're together, there are going to be things that we talk about that are going to make you a bit crunchy, maybe even a little peeved off. Um, and those things are often great indicators of things to sit with a bit and reflect on and learn because there's often real growth in the crunchy. There's also going to be times for joy where you're going to feel really good about something. So as we listen today, uh, we would just encourage you to the things that you got excited about, get excited about learn from them, take them. But the things you got a little crunchy about, maybe reflect upon those things and say, you know, what can I learn from this? Where have I maybe approached this the same way? And what would I do differently? And uh, so we hope you, uh, for each of our podcasts, that you leave with a little bit of crunch and a little bit of joy. And we, Greg and I have said this, we're not experts in anything. We're, we're here having a conversation. And today we invited someone else to the diner table to have a talk with us. Uh, and, you know, my question always is to people, uh, who are you talking to? Being a leader or being a manager or supervisor and not talking about your experience to somebody else is a very, very sad place to be. And I've always been blessed. Uh, most of the time that I've been a supervisor or a manager, having some great people and just bounce things, things off of and just have a good conversation. So, uh, yeah. Who are you talking to? So, Greg, um, shout out. Shout outs. So many, so many interesting ones. So I'll just narrow it down to two for the purpose of today. Nice. And we'll save nice. some of the other ones. Uh, Lima, Peru. Welcome to the party. Oh, wow. That's great. I honestly, I don't think we've ever had anyone from Peru. We've definitely had some folks from South America listening to us. Welcome, Lima. And Verona, Italy. Ah, Italy. I know that was going to cause a reaction. Yeah, that's right. I went to Italy uh, for uh, for 10 days, and uh, I was just looking at the pictures over the weekend. So, Verona, thank you so much. We're... Uh, we, we love it, you know, and, and interesting, you know, uh, Tom talked about it today, you know, no matter where you are, these are issues that you're all running. Leaders are leaders are leader. People are people are people. Relationships are critical in all spaces, but welcome to Lima, Peru and Verona, Italy. Welcome to the party. I'm good. Are you good? I'm good. Listen, folks, people matter. Take the time with the people you work with. They are an important part of your job, your success or your failure. Talk to you next time. Take care.